KMOX Sports. The young swings and lifts a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Live. It's a grand slam! Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. A good Monday evening to you. Welcome into Sports Open Line. Just a one-hour program tonight. We are taking you live into coverage of Monday Night Football tonight. Patriots and Cardinals matching up in Arizona. We've got a lot to get to between now and then. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. You can also uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T. P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's how you get in contact with us today. Uh, We'll talk some St. Louis Blues hockey a little bit later on. They are in action this evening as they take on Nashville. Second game of a back-to-back after they uh, lose in overtime yesterday to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, We'll also talk some uh, St. Louis University Billikens basketball. They had a tough loss on Saturday against Boise State. Uh, It was a must-win in the sense that it really hurts them in terms of an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament if they don't win the A-10 tournament. Not impossible, obviously a lot to uh, play for in league play, but it was just it was a game that it would have been better if they would not have lost. I guess we can say that about all games, uh, but that's we had talked about it going in, that the, the importance of the non-league games, especially uh, after that almost win against Auburn, was they were in a spot where they pretty much had to win out, and they did not win out in non-league play. And now we'll see what happens from there. So we'll get into that coming up later on in the program. Brian Walton from uh, CardinalNation.com. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes. Let's open the show up, though, with the news of the day in the world of baseball. Braves acquiring catcher Sean Murphy. Now, if you've been following along, Murphy had been connected to the Cardinals prior to the signing of Wilson Contreras. In many ways, Murphy's profile fit better with the Cardinals uh, than a Contreras. And that's not to say that Contreras isn't a good signing. If you were with us on Friday on the program, you know that I'm a, I'm a fan of this uh, this move by the Cardinals to go get Wilson Contreras. But I also would have been a fan of a trade for, for catcher Sean Murphy. And while they were both out there, you know, push come to shove, if I had to choose one of the two, I probably would have chosen Murphy. Part of that was also because of kind of Contreras's reputation and the way he plays the game and some of those issues were somewhat alleviated with the what things he had to say uh, in that uh, press conference on Friday. So uh, it might be a little bit of a different, you know, if you, you know, revisionist history might be a little bit different, but nonetheless, Murphy would have been a very good acquisition for the Cardinals as well. The reports out there had the Oakland A's reportedly asking for a ton from young controllable players that are on the major league roster, like a Lars Newtbar and a Brendan Donovan to some of the top prospects in the organization. When you saw the names that were being bantied about, you said, okay, if that's what it's going to take to get a Sean Murphy, well, then the Cardinals made the right decision, not going after Murphy. And then you see this deal today and there are no top 100 prospects going to Atlanta. So that means one of two things happened when it came to the Cardinals and Sean Murphy. Thing number one, and I think this is the most likely of the scenarios, Oakland overplayed their hand. Oakland way overplayed their hand. 
and they saw a Cardinals team that needed a catcher. They saw a Cardinals team that hadn't dipped their toe into big time free agency as often as some other teams. It's it's generally not their first thing that they do when you think of uh, the core players on the team, uh, either they're developed or they're traded for. The Cardinals are not the team that are as active when it comes to uh, top-tier free agents. Maybe that's a good change moving forward. Contreras absolutely was a top-tier free agent, and it's not like they've never done it. It's just not really something they do a lot. So perhaps the A's saw that and said, okay, well, we can we can take advantage of this. They're, they're not going to go sign Wilson Contreras, so let's go ahead and raise the price on Sean Murphy as much as we possibly can, and we're going to try to fleece the Cardinals for a package of players back that we're going to win this trade without a doubt. And if, if that's the way it played out, and you know, I'm simplifying what was, I'm sure, a very dynamic process, but if some version of what I just said played out in that kind of way, well, then the Cardinals said, you know what? This isn't this isn't what we're going to do. You're not going to get a package that even resembles what you want. We can go ahead and move on. We just met with Wilson Contreras. We like the guy. He fits our team, and uh, we can get him at a, at a pretty good price. So we'll we'll move in that direction. And then what ends up happening? The A's end up being part of a three team deal. The Milwaukee Brewers are involved in this as well. More on that in a moment because obviously that impacts the Cardinals from a divisional standpoint. But you look at what Oakland gets back in this three team trade for Sean Murphy, there's not a top 100 prospect in there. It's a solid return for Murphy, but it does not resemble what reportedly they wanted from the Cardinals. Now, it's also worth mentioning that not all farm systems are created equal, where the Cardinals have some more high-end players in their farm system than, say, the Atlanta Braves do. All that being said, from a very surface-level standpoint, it very much feels like Oakland overplayed their hand and the package that they got from Murphy was not anywhere near what they were hoping to get from the Cardinals. The second thing on this is who ends up going to the Milwaukee Brewers. Again, a three-team trade. William Contreras, the younger brother of Wilson Contreras, he is part of this deal. He goes from the Braves to the Brewers in this deal. The Brewers needed a catcher. They had moved on from Omar Narvaez, and now William Contreras goes. Contreras had a really good offensive season last year. Hit 20 home runs, hit about 280. Good offensive, uh, good offensive catcher. You know, a lot of things we said about Wilson Contreras, we can kind of say about William Contreras, just in terms of their their overall profile. Contreras, William, the younger Contreras, the now Brewer Contreras, he is not known for his defensive ability, but he is known for what he does on an offensive standpoint. Now. I saw this a little bit ago, and you know things can change. We're having this conversation on December 12th, but William Contreras evidently does not like this trade. If you go to his social media, his uh, recent tweet is just broken heart after broken heart. He did one, two, three, four, five, six, eight broken heart emojis. So he does not seem overly happy about leaving the Atlanta Braves to go to the Milwaukee Brewers. So the two Contreras brothers feel quite different about the two places they're headed. Wilson Contreras 
is nothing short of excited about being a St. Louis Cardinal. And at least for the time being, William Contreras is not excited about being a Milwaukee Brewer. But emotions are high at the moment, so I'm sure that can change at some point in the relatively near future. Uh, Later on in the program, if we have time, I want to revisit just kind of the Oakland situation because it's just another case of them getting rid of good major league talent and not getting a whole lot that's ready to compete at a high level at the big league level right away. And the A's continue to just be a a horrible franchise for Major League Baseball, despite the fact that, to their credit, they've had a number of playoff appearances in recent years, but uh, just not a good look for them today. Uh, Later on, we'll also uh, get into the topic of uh, Carlos Rodon as his name was mentioned over the weekend by John Heyman that the Cardinals might be interested. Seems unlikely, but we'll certainly get into that later on as well. But up next, uh, Brian Walton's going to join us. We'll talk uh, about the Wilson Contreras acquisition. We'll get his thoughts uh, on this move as well. I'm sure he's got some thoughts uh, with uh, the prospect package that uh, Oakland ends up getting back. We'll do all that coming up in just a moment. My name is Matt Pauley. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. Line rolling on here on a Monday night. Have you for just an hour tonight. We'll take you till 7 o'clock, leading you into Monday night football. We continue to have a lot of Cardinals uh, stuff to talk about and Cardinals adjacent stuff with the trade that was made today involving the Atlanta Braves and uh, Milwaukee Brewers in addition to the Oakland A's. Very happy right now to welcome on to the program. He uh, runs the uh, CardinalNation.com. He is Brian Walton. Follow him on Twitter at B underscore Walton. Brian, as always, appreciate you taking a few moments with us how are you i'm doing great it's uh nice that the hot stove has warmed up a little bit finally it has warmed up in, in a big way and, and the cardinals were certainly involved in their uh, acquisition their signing of uh, wilson Contreras. i guess let's just start with that what was your initial reaction when you found out that he was going to be a cardinal i was surprised that the cardinals went that direction and as we've learned in the reporting that's come out since they did their due diligence trying to execute a trade obviously couldn't come to agreement with the potential trade partners over the uh, players they'd have to give up. So they pivoted and decided to spend the money and, uh, you know, and, and lose, lose a draft pick and a little bit of international money to sign Wilson Contreras. And they, you know, went beyond what uh, Michael Gersh one time said, puke point. They only wanted to give four years. Uh, They had to give five. Contreras is the kind of player that's a productive hitter and, if he gets to the point where he's not going to be as good behind the plate, then, you know, you use his bat in the lineup as a designated hitter. So, you know, they're, they're going to get their $87.5 million from Wilson Contreras, I suspect. The Cardinals, for a long time, have not really had to worry too much about the defensive ability of the person who is behind the plate most of the time. Now that plays into it. All indications are that Contreras has said he wants to improve in that area. L- let me ask you this. From a from a developmental standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, are, are the Cardinals good at helping catchers become their best defensive selves? Well, you know, it's really kind of hard to tell. You know, Molina, as you said, Molina's been in, in the major league job for so long. There certainly haven't been a lot of minor leaguers come up to, you know, become productive major leaguers. We saw Carson Kelly and thought that he was going to be the next big thing, and they, you know, were able to trim it. To- 
value to Arizona, but Kelly really hasn't developed uh, as much as anyone hoped. And so, you know, and Yvonne Herrera, of course, who came up during the season in 2022, showed he wasn't ready. He needs more time in AAA, and the Cardinals, uh, you know, didn't go with a shorter-term uh, solution. They went with a long-term. So, you know, that certainly puts into question the future for Yvonne Herrera. What? Okay, so let's get into Herrera a little bit. What are your thoughts on him? Is this a guy who's got the potential of eventually moving into that lead catcher role for the Cardinals, or does this signing of Contreras, as you kind of alluded to, maybe say that the Cardinals might be looking in another direction? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, it it you would say at least on paper it looks like Herrera's blocked. And, uh, again, he hasn't shown that he's ready for the major leagues yet. You know, if he would have really produced when he came up in 2022, this whole uh, scenario with Contreras might have played out differently, but that didn't happen. And that sends me a signal that the Cardinals have doubts about Herrera. Now he's still a top 10 prospect in the system. And perhaps as you hinted, Matt, you know, his best value to the Cardinals might be in a trade to another organization, but you know, we've got to wait and see what happens in spring camp because, you know, Andrew Kisner, while he's been solid, certainly hasn't been spectacular. And, And then there's a chance that, you know, Herrera could be the guy instead of Kisner, who's the second catcher. And over time, as Contreras gets older, maybe he starts to play 110 games instead of 120 or 100 games or whatever, and you see more of the, the younger catcher. And again, like you alluded to earlier, perhaps he's got more DHing in his future, which would potentially open up some more time behind the plate for a Herrera if, the, if he does stay in the organization. Yeah, I certainly don't think that they've given up on him yet, but a year from now, if Herrera still hasn't really stepped up in AAA, I think the, you know. Continuing to be joined by uh, Brian Walton uh, from the thecardinalnation.com. All right, so we heard the names that were rumored to be uh, part of a potential Sean Murphy deal if the Cardinals would have acquired him, and it seemed like uh, a steep price. We see him move today. Oakland doesn't end up with any top 100 uh, prospects in that. Is this a case where maybe Oakland tried to overplay their hand a little bit with the Cardinals? You certainly wonder if that's the case. Um I was surprised. I mean, I, granted, I don't know all the players you know, from the Brewers and the Braves organization to the extent I know the Cardinals ones. But as you said, these aren't guys that are, you know, on the tip of, of you know, stardom in the major leagues. And, yeah, it's it almost feels like maybe the A's thought that they had the Cardinals in the corner and, you know, pushed too hard to get two good young players and had to settle for somewhat less. Uh, if In most years – if the Cardinals made a selection in the Rule Five draft, we'd be talking about a young guy. We'd talk about somebody who's maybe got, uh, you know, has been a prospect and is just about ready to, you know, get to the big league level and have some success there. That's not the case this year. They do make a selection in the Rule Five draft. It's been quite some time since they've done that, but they go with a guy who's going to be 33 in March in uh, Wilkin Rodriguez. Reportedly, they were interested in him when he was playing uh, in Mexico previously. He's got a great strikeout. To walk ratio, uh, but this is not exactly the profile of a player you would normally see selected in the Rule Five draft. Boy, that is stating it mildly. <laughs> you know, normally, normally players are you know twenty two, twenty years old, thirty two, and uh, you know Rodriguez, the Rays, forty uh, man roster, and that was believe it or not, eleven years ago. 
And so, you know, he's bounced around. He was in the Royal system for a while, reached the majors, was in the Yankees, and then pitched two years in Mexico. And, you know, maybe he's a guy that was able to develop and, uh, you know, show a lot more than he did when he was uh, a, a prospect the first time around. Certainly it's a real low-risk type of situation. The Cardinals spent $100,000 on a Rule 5 pick. Uh, and as uh, Rodriguez has to stay in the major leagues uh, the entire season or be offered back uh, to the Yankees. But he had a two ERA and, uh, like you said, uh, very high strikeouts, 73 walks, 73 strikeouts against 13 walks in uh, 44 and thirds in. At least in the Mexican League, he was dominant. We'll see if that can translate to the major leagues. But, you know, as we know, the Cardinals have had some turnover in their bullpen, and they need some more arms, and Wilking Rodriguez is sure going to get a chance to uh, show that this spring. They also make some selections in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. Catcher Jose Alvarez from the Astros, uh, Brandon uh, Komar, a right-hander from the Padres, Jose Martinez, another right-hander from the Dodgers, and Ryan Shreve, a right-hander from the Twins. Uh, I know they've just been in the organization for a very short amount of time, but is there any reason for Cardinals fans to be especially excited about any of these minor leaguers? You know, now and then uh, John Barbia comes along, you know, from the minor league phase and, and turns out to be a productive major leaguer. But most of the time, these guys are, are filling their, you know, been brought in to um, provide additional depth in the minor leagues and, and probably aren't major league prospects. And at this point in time, I would say that's probably the case with this four. Maybe one of them will surprise us down the road. I'm sure we talked about this the last time we talked, but I got to bring it up again. Jordan Walker is uh it, it really feels like the Cardinals are leaving open the door for him to have every opportunity to make the team out of spring training, not expecting him to do that. And if he doesn't have a great spring, they can get him back to the minor leagues and it's no problem. But how important is it that he does go to spring training this year with that legit opportunity? Well, we've heard the Cardinals say, you know, coming into the offseason, sure they wanted to find another middle-of-the-order bat. Uh, to put behind Goldschmidt and Arenado. Uh, what we didn't know that they were going to be in the same player, and that's catcher Wilson Contreras. So, you know, I, I think the hope for a great offensive for us this offseason, uh, you know, shouldn't be counted on. You know, maybe it's another Dickerson type of, of uh, outfielder who – but, you know, I, I listen, I'm a prospect guy, so I'm high on Jordan Walker. Folks who've heard me know that. But if you listen, and if you listen to sports on a Sunday with Tom Ackerman this week or – well, I guess it was uh, actually with Claves this week. But um, go back and, you know, pull the recording off of uh, KMOX and listen to that from this Sunday. John Mozeliak went on and on and on and on about Jordan Walker and, you know, the, the power that he shows, the exit velocity that he shows. And certainly the words that I heard between the lines and John Mozeliak said, Jordan Walker is going to get every chance under the sun this spring to take a major league job. And if he does make the major league team, he's going to be your starter in right field. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you're counting down right now, top prospects in the organization. Uh, before we let you go, uh, give, give a plug for that. The, the tweets are coming out uh, daily. Uh, folks can uh, subscribe to thecardinalnation.com and get all kinds of information about these uh, prospects throughout the organization. Yeah, we every year this time um, we, we start a countdown of the top 50 prospects at, and, uh, and do a bunch of analysis articles as well at the end that take us up to winter warm-up and beyond. And uh, we're at number 31 right now. Number 30 will be out tomorrow, and that will be free for everybody to read. Every five, uh, one out of five we show is free, so folks can understand the depth of the prospect reports, uh, the, the scouting reports that Blake Newberry provides, and then I provide a lot of background on the history of the player, where he's been, and what his outlook is for the future, both in the minor leagues and in the major leagues. So uh, Mike Antico is our prospect of the day today, number 31. 
uh, center fielder who was drafted just a season, a season and a half ago, uh, already spent a half a year at Double A, and uh, was also played in the Arizona Fall League and stole 67 bases this year. So you got a center fielder with some speed uh, who's uh, very good defensively, can steal bases, a guy that uh, you know, might be a year or two away from getting into the picture with St. Louis. So there's a lot of young players uh, prospects in the system. Certainly all of them aren't going to make it, but it's fun to read about them and, and to learn about the guys who are going to be the next wave of uh, players into St. Louis. Yeah, absolutely. Brian Walton at B underscore Walton. If you want to learn about the prospects, you're not going to find a better place to do it than the CardinalNation.com. Brian, thank you for uh, all the information. Really do appreciate it. Talk to you next time, Matt. All right, very good. There's Brian Walton joining us here on Sports Open Line. Again, the CardinalNation.com is uh, his website and great information. Again, they are number 31 in their countdown from 50 of the top prospects in the organization. Uh, we'll switch gears. We'll talk a little St. Louis Blues hockey when uh, we return. Still not going great. They get a point yesterday, so that's something, but it's not a lot. We'll continue on in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Touchdown, Kansas City! KMOX. We do continue on here on a Monday night. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We'll try to revisit a little more baseball before we get out of here for a Monday night football tonight. But I wanted to talk about the Blues for just a moment. I was just commenting to uh, Matt Pajeski, sports producer extraordinaire, a moment ago. So our window looks out onto the street here, and we're only a couple blocks away from the Enterprise Center. Generally, on a game night like tonight, there would be tons of traffic out there 25 minutes before a game. I looked out... And I, I'll, I'll tell you what I did because I hate mistake, making mistakes. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I've been saying all day that the Blues are playing at home and they must be in Nashville. And I immediately, no, they're, they're at home. So I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, they, they haven't played a ton of Monday night games this year. Maybe I'm overstating something, but they are struggling. Like, right now, as I look out onto the street in the direction, I see one car and generally – there's a lot of cars out there. So I just wonder if the struggles of the team is impacting attendance. Now, it's a Monday night, and uh, they, they just played yesterday, and they had a great crowd yesterday. So I'm probably overstating things a little bit, but it was just it was noticeable that there doesn't seem to be quite as much traffic right now as there normally would be on a, uh, on, a, on a game night when we're 25 minutes away from a uh, puck drop. Yesterday, had a chance to knock off the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Colorado able to force overtime, and then uh, Colorado ends up winning in, uh, in overtime. By the way, this is the worst for me. This is the worst because my wife is an Avalanche fan. She grew up in Colorado. She has been good taking all my sports allegiances except for in hockey. She she just can't do it. She she is an Avalanche fan. So when the Blues and the Avalanche play against each other, like earlier this year, the Blues got a win against Colorado. That was one of their best wins of the year. That was right when they were that was that uh, period where they'd gone to Vegas and won and then they went to Colorado and won and and you felt like they were starting to really turn things around and I was gloating to my wife nonstop because that's what I do. 
And yeah, yesterday uh, they end up uh, losing a game that they could potentially have won. And now they're back at tonight on a uh, back-to-back. And we'll see what they can do against the Predators. Maybe the news of the day, the return of uh, Alexei Torpchenko. He was down on a conditioning assignment at AHL Springfield. Had a goal, a couple assists over the course of uh, five games. And uh, head coach Craig Berube did speak uh, earlier today about uh, Torpchenko's return to the Blues active roster. Yep, he's uh, got recalled, and uh, he'll play tonight. By all accounts, uh, I mean, he basically told us you got in quite a few minutes down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really well. I think, you know, again, he had to get down to a situation where he could get a lot of minutes and get up to speed. And, you know, it's it's handling the puck more and, and, and things like that where you get more confident. So I expect a much uh, more confident player. More like the, the player you saw? Yeah, like yeah, player. yeah. And when he's playing his game, what does it look like? Well, the size in the skating, you know, and he's right on top of people for checking and, he, you know, he's a good player for us that way. Um, I love the size in the skating. How much is his physical <clears throat> Well, yeah. You know, when they're on, he's on the forecheck or down in the offensive zone, banging bodies around and being big around the net and getting to the net. We need more of, more guys like that that are big and can get to the net and create some havoc and some pucks and rebounds and things like that. He's an eager player, too. It seems like he wants to do well, and maybe that's something we take for granted among yeah. hockey players. But do you sense that, too? He's got a great attitude. He's a um, very happy person, you know, in general. His attitude is uh, positive. 24-7, which is infectious to the to the team, in my opinion, uh, rubs off. So uh, it'll be good, good addition. So, yeah, Torpchenko is back. We'll see if he can take some of the momentum. Now, Pavel Bucinevich is still not going to play tonight. Uh, he continues to be banged up. He's getting closer and closer to returning. Maybe that opens up that much more uh, ice time for uh, Torpchenko. If he's going to be here, he's got to play. He wasn't playing. That's why he went down on the conditioning assignment. Mentioned uh, yesterday, uh, they end up uh, losing that game in overtime to the Avalanche. Well, I think, like I said, we I thought we played pretty solid defensively, you know, and our penalty kill was solid. Um, the game's there in the end. That's where you want to get to, you know, and that's important. And if we found a way to, to get two goals in the third period, and um, we had the lead for a bit. Uh, would have been, You know, we... Got a little unfortunate there, and you know, that's that's hockey though, you know, and keeping it, you know, doing the right things the first two periods, and you you put yourself in a situation to win a game, and we did that. He seemed, you know, you don't want to lose. You like getting a point. That's a good team. That's a in our in a season where things are going well. You don't blink twice at that loss yesterday. So maybe that's the the best thing we've been able to say about the Blues here. Uh, in a little while, and now they're on a back-to-back, and they're going to match up against a Nashville team tonight. They go to the net hard, and um, you know they got good size. Their team, they got a big team, so um, we're going to have to battle. We're going to have to battle hard at the net. Yeah, we're going to have to do a good shot job of shot blocking. Um, you know, with Yossi out there, and he gets a lot of shots. He gets a lot of shots um, roaming around. He's a he's a great player, so we're going to have to do a good job on him and. We're going to have to protect the middle of the ice. This is not anything new coming from me. It just feels like we're we're at that crossroads point of the season. Things are not going well. They're 12-15-1. They've lost two in a row. They've lost six of their last seven. 
They've lost seven of their last nine. I mean, you can keep going back. That's you know that that's going off that last winning streak that they had. They got to get it figured out, and it just doesn't. Is there a is there a switch to flip? Does the roster need to be changed? I I don't know. I I just I don't know. They're they're better than what their record is. They're better. They're they're better than how many losses they have. Uh, over the course of the last two weeks, but they're not winning games, and you have to win games. And you, you don't want to put yourself in such a hole that you don't have the opportunity to to build out of it. And that's that's kind of where they're at right now. When you look at the playoff picture, like there, we're not yet deep enough into the season where we're really talking about this team uh, being a team that could potentially miss the playoffs. They're, they're five points out of a playoff spot right now. Now the team that's holding the second wild card in the West is the Minnesota Wild. They've got uh, 30 points in 27 games played. The Blues have played one more game, 28. they got 25 points, so they're five points behind. There's a couple teams, three teams in between, Calgary, Vancouver, uh, Nashville. So I guess if, if you want to look at it in terms of starting to try to climb that ladder back towards a playoff spot, then tonight's game is a big game because it's an opportunity to move past the Predators. But that's we're we're at that point. We're into December. We're coming up uh, on the new year, right around the corner. You got to have it figured out. You got to be at a place where you feel like you can be getting the most out of your roster. And if the most out of your roster is what you're getting right now, then you have to change the roster. And I'm sure that those are the conversations that that Doug Armstrong's having on an everyday basis. Um, it was there was a, a game recently where you could just feel the frustration from Craig Berube uh, after the game. I think it was it was last week when we were out at the winter meetings and we didn't really get the chance to talk about it a lot here on Sports Open Line. But you could just you felt the frustration from Berube because it felt like. They, as coaches, were coaching players to do certain things, and then those certain things in a style of play and the way of playing, it just wasn't happening. So is yesterday a day to build off of where you get a point where you're playing against a pretty good Colorado team? Although Colorado's, they're not great this year. They've gone through some struggles as well recently, but there's probably – more positives out of yesterday's game than we've seen a lot of the last two weeks. But how do you build off of that? And what can you do tonight against uh, a Nashville team that's right next to you in the standings? Uh, it's it's a game that you would really, really, really like to see them win. All right, uh, when we come back, I want to get into a couple things. I want to revisit the Cardinals and uh, a report that came out over the weekend with uh, Carlos Rodon. also want to talk a little Slew Bilkins basketball after they suffered a tough loss on Saturday and uh, may revisit this trade as well that happened today uh, where Sean Murphy ends up as a member of the Atlanta Braves and William Contreras ends up with the Milwaukee Brewers. So a lot to get to in the final 15 or so minutes of the program. We'll take a break, have more in a moment. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX. Support SSM Health Cardinal Glennon today and their Tree of Hope campaign. Make a difference. Make a donation. Text HOPE to 20357. Message and data rates may apply. Sports Open Line does continue here on 
KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Just a few minutes left in the program. We are taking you till 7 o'clock. We'll get out of here for Monday night football tonight. Uh, by the way, so we've uh, talked a lot about the Sean Murphy deal today and more on that in a moment. But another catcher that the Cardinals were connected to in Christian Vasquez, he, according to multiple reports, is headed to the Minnesota Twins. So at some point, the catcher's market was going to start moving. And I don't know. I don't think the Wilson Contreras deal so much started the catcher's market moving. I feel like the Murphy deal got it, got it moving a little bit because then all of a sudden you're legitimately starting to run out of uh, catchers that are available. So Christian Vasquez, who had been connected to the Cardinals at one point in time of, of the uh, players who were of the catchers who were connected so the Cardinals were connected, obviously, to Contreras, to Murphy, to Vasquez, and then a couple guys in uh, Toronto and Jansen and also uh, Kirk. Uh, Vasquez was probably the guy that I was least interested in. Good defensive catcher, but it was just it was such an opportunity with Yadier Molina moving on and calling it a career. It was such an opportunity to add to your lineup uh, from an offensive standpoint. And they were able to do that, obviously, with Contreras. They would have been doing that if they would have brought in a Sean Murphy. That was that was the opportunity there. And to the Cardinals' credit, they were able to uh, to do it. So, um, wanted to mention the uh, the John Heyman tweet from over the weekend, and I for, I don't think Carlos Rodon's going to be a um, a St. Louis Cardinal. I just, I don't. And there was a, there was basically a tweet that, that essentially said that the Cardinals were a mystery team that was in on them. And like, this isn't meant to be disrespectful to John Heyman, but I think if you have followed along with him, you know that he tends to have information about Boris clients and that those type of relationships can be very transactional. And look, that's that's true for any of these baseball insiders. This is going to sound like I'm being critical. I'm I'm not being critical. I you have to get your information somehow. So whether you're a Ken Rosenthal, a John Paul Morosi, a Joel Sherman, a John Heyman, a Jeff Passan, like no matter who you are. If you're one of those guys who makes their living off bake, breaking baseball news, you have to have sources. And those sources are going to give you information. But at times, it becomes very transactional in the sense that they will continue to give you information. But there's going to be times where they need you to say something. And if you want to keep that pipeline of information coming your way, you're going to have to say it. Now, what's tough to kind of navigate through is figuring out what information out there is like really legitimate information and what information out there is more of that information that's being planted out there uh, for for a very purposeful reason when there's kind of agenda-based reporting, for, for lack of a better term, uh, and when that's out there. So I don't look. I I don't know if the Cardinals are deep in negotiations with, uh, you know, with anybody. But when that tweet came out, 
to me, that felt like something that was unlikely. I'll go with that. It seemed incredibly unlikely. And I just, to me, it, 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 it feels like that's not the way that the Cardinals are going to go acquire pitching. Now, they, I think they do need to, now that they've got their catcher, there's other areas of the team that they need to improve upon. I still think this team could really use a left-handed bat. But the other thing that's worrisome about the way this team is set up, and this isn't even so much about this upcoming season, but it's about seasons moving forward. They have one starting pitcher under contract beyond this year of the guys who are in their top five right now in the rotation. Four of the five guys right now are either set to be free agents or, in Adam Wainwright's case, is going to be going ahead and calling it a career. You would rather not go into an offseason next year where you are filling that many spots. Now, there are some guys in the minor leagues who obviously can graduate to the big leagues, but you want to have some veterans in there. And if you can do something this offseason to go acquire a pitcher that is under contract beyond this year, that's going to help you for next year where you don't have quite as much work to do to be able to put together a rotation. So that's the that's the challenge I would think right now for John Mosellock is looking at your current roster, knowing that you've got enough starting pitching for this year if everybody can stay healthy, but also knowing that you don't have enough starting pitcher starting pitching beyond this year and probably just rather not being in a situation where you go through the season and go into next year and you're filling up that many spots. You would just like to have a little bit more under contract going into uh, 2024. And that's part of team building. That's part of team building. And that's obviously very much on their radar. If if something like that's going to happen, I still think it's more likely to happen via trade than via uh, acquisition in the free agent market, but who knows? You, you don't know for sure uh, which direction that might go. Although the the free agent pitchers, they're starting to uh, they're starting to drop. Like they they are continuing to sign. At some point, there's just not going to be a whole lot out there. Real quickly before we get out of here, wanted to mention uh, Slough Billikens basketball. They lose on Saturday. They fall to uh, Boise State. Tough loss. And we had talked about this leading into that game. Uh, they were at a point in the season uh, with that loss against Iona, especially losing at Iona. Um, they just, they really, they couldn't afford another non-league loss in terms of putting together an NCAA tournament resume. Well, they lose at home to Boise State, and now, barring just an incredible, an incredible regular season run in the Atlantic 10, in many ways, it feels like this is a team now that's going to need a an A-10 tournament championship to get into the NCAA tournament. There's there's no doubt that this team should be in the big dance, and this team is good enough to be there, but they've had some setbacks here in the non-league, and when you are not a Power 5 conference team, when you're not a Power Conference team, you're in a spot where you can't have these slip-ups during non-league because 
that's what that's what allows you just a, a little bit of a margin for error when you get into conference season and the conference tournament. And that margin for error, it is now officially gone for the Billikens. They get back at this upcoming Saturday. They'll match up against Drake. That's going to do it for this edition of Sports Open Line. Thank you so much for being tuned in. Monday Night Football on the way next. We'll head out to Arizona. It's the Cardinals. It's the Patriots from Westwood One Sports. Monday Night Football next on KMOX.